0: Hey friends, we hope you enjoy this sermon from St. Jude Oak Cliff. And if nobody has told you today that they love you, we do. But more importantly, God does. We're going to, I'm going to do a New Year's sermon because, um, does anyone ever remember a New Year's sermon? Okay, I, th- I thought so. No one does. We don't remember New Year's sermons. Because pastors always try to do way too much. Like, okay, here are the ten things to do this year. Here are the five things. Eh, we don't listen. I don't listen. You don't listen. It's okay. Don't feel bad about that. But none of us remember. So I thought, oh, I'm going to give you more like a Costco or a Sam's Club taste tester sermon. <laughs> <laughs> like a little, like, oh, there's a little cheese thing here, then a little um, little dairy over another piece of dairy, and then uh, like a little uh, baguette or something. And whatever you like, just just nibble on that and remember that. Because I think those are the kind of things on New Year's, we just tend to bombard ourselves. So I'm just going to give, we're going to walk through Sam's Club and have just a couple of taste testers, and they'll say, whatever is nourishing to you, take that with you. Um, but I, I'm going to introduce you to one of my um, friends. I've never met him. I hope to meet him one day. His name is Maximus the Confessor. Um, he lived a long time ago. He lived from 580 to 660. Um, he's now in the presence of God. He, he didn't give himself the name the Confessor. That name was given to him. That's the church's way of saying oops. Uh, Maximum, Maximus, was, uh, he was punished for his faith in Jesus, but he wasn't punished by Um, his community, he was punished by the church. They cut out his tongue. And they cut off his right arm so he wouldn't write. And then about 50 years later, they said, oops, our bad. He's actually really good, and he loves Jesus. Sorry. I'm not kidding. They did that to him. So if you think you've been burned by the church, what? So they called him the confessor. So they called him the confessor because later on, that's the church's way of saying, he, he didn't, he, we didn't kill him, but we tried. So he's not really a martyr, but sorry. You were right. You loved Jesus. We were wrong. Oops. But his whole life, he was so gentle and kind and incredibly insightful into the meaning of the Bible. So I want you to learn from Maximus, who's called the confessor. And what's interesting about him is that whether you're an Orthodox Christian from from Istanbul or Turkey or a Roman Catholic Christian or a Protestant, all three branches of the church look back to Maximus and say, oh, we really like him. And guess what? He wasn't a pastor, he wasn't a priest, he wasn't a theologian. He was a lay monk. He was a nobody. And people went to him over and over again because of his insight into particularly the person of Jesus and the Holy Trinity and just how to love people well. So we're going to learn a bit from Maximus, just a couple quick thoughts on Maximus on some verses in the Bible, two of them, those are their two taste testers, and then um, that's it for this morning. So two two quick thoughts for um, 2023. So um, first of all, Ephesians 1 verses 1 through 6, these verses, Paul is starting his letter this way, these are some of the most Star Wars verses of the Bible, I don't know how to describe them, but I love these verses, I'm not sure what they fully mean, but Maximus will give us a hint. So this is Paul's letter to a church at Ephesus, which is in Turkey, a large city. And as Paul's writing this large church in an important port city, this is what he says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Wow. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. What? We'll talk about that. Now, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. When the Pharisees heard that he, that's Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, And with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the Holy Scripture. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the intentions of all of our hearts and minds together be pleasing and acceptable to you, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. Um, This last week, uh, Pope Benedict. I, pope Benedict is the only second pope who ever just resigned. He was still, usually popes last until they die, and Pope Benedict resigned. And before he was Pope Benedict, his name was Joseph Ratzinger. He was a very famous and a good theologian, and um, he resigned. And then he well, he died this last week. In fact, my wife and I had the privilege of meeting him in two thousand eight, with a very small group of people. We were the only Protestants there. Uh, we have some friends in Santa Fe that had a. The, some, some archbishop in Philly owed him a favor, and part of the favor was, we want to meet the Pope, can you do that? And he goes, yeah, I can do that. So we flew to the Vatican City, and we met him inside his apartment. It was really amazing, weird. I got pictures of, we the Pope, and we were introduced by name. And I carried for all my Catholic family members. I had like, you know, 20 rosaries on me, and he blessed them. And I came home like, you guys want to bless rosary by the Pope? Like, yeah. So... <laughs> I could have sold them on eBay for thousands of dollars, but I didn't. I gave, them, I gave them to all my Catholic family members and friends. I think I kept one. I think so. I, did. Yeah, I know I did. I kept one. Um, but it was, a, it was a privilege meeting him. He was, there was a Mexican soap opera star crying like a baby, a very handsome guy. He couldn't believe it. He was like, he's meeting the Pope. Oh. So it was us and a Mexican soap opera star and then some people from Philadelphia. It was the strangest group. Oh, i got to tell you those too. Before we got to meet the Pope, we had a, um, a reconciliation mass, and the guy preached a sermon. He's a lay deacon, an American deacon, like Billy Graham. He asked everyone in the room if they've accepted Jesus in their heart as Lord and Savior. And he says, if you haven't, you can't go meet the Pope yet. And I thought, well, is this Billy Graham? This is kind of awesome. And then we had, like, open confession. It was just, the whole thing was the strangest, most beautiful. Right, honey? It was just really something else. And then we had chocolate and wine from, um, from the Pope's vineyard. Um, but it wasn't his vineyard just it's for its... Uh, it's um, Pop de Vin or whatever it is—it's some German vineyard. It was—it was not very good, but it was was fun meeting the Pope and that. So anyway, I've I've always liked reading Joseph Ratzinger. Now, why did I bring this up? When he he was Pope Benedict, he said, "Maximus the Confessor is a doctor of the Church," and that was a big deal. Which means that this guy was an uneducated monk. He's—he's now like Saint Augustine, or. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas. He said he is, when you look back on people that have influenced Christian thought, very few people have influenced Christian thought like Maximus. So, I want you guys to learn a little bit about Maximus. I'll explain some of this. I know you can't read this, but I'll read it. Maximus, um, he died on August 13, sixty two. His feast day is August 13. My wife and I remember that day. We That's our anniversary, but not that year. It's, it was... <laughs> That is our anniversary. So Maximus is honored by the Protestant church, Roman Catholic church, and Orthodox church. He was a lay monk, not a pastor, not a priest, nor even a recognized theologian. He defended the biblical truth that our Lord Jesus possesses both a divine will and a human will as one person. To be a true human being, Jesus has to have a human will. There was a heresy called the monothelite heresy, which means that Jesus only had one will and that his human will was absorbed by his God will. And that was, it was a heresy, and Maximus said, no, that's, he's a true human being with human desires and a human will. He has to be. And he defended it. He was persecuted and tortured for this belief. His tongue was cut out, and his right hand was mutilated. They tried to cut off his right hand so he wouldn't write anymore, but they didn't quite do it well. So he still had kind of a right hand. And even though he had no tongue or an ability to write, people all over the West and East still came to Maximus for prayer for consolation. And any way they could, he tried to communicate to them about Jesus. And here's the amazing thing about him. He was, he preached over and over again, don't hold any grudges against anybody. Can you believe that? That was one of his big deals: no grudges, especially those who do you harm, no grudges. I thought, really? The church cut out your tongue and tried to cut off your arm and all you're doing is defending Jesus. And I thought about that, like, the church has done a lot of bad things to people that love Jesus, and um, I don't know why the church has done those things. Sometimes when they co-opt with people of power, and that's what happened. Um, the church at the time co-opted with the emperor of Constantinople, which is Istanbul, and they, they were so jealous of this lay monk that they tried to kill him, and it didn't work. And he still said, I forgive them. It's the most amazing thing. Years after his death, the church realized the error and rec- recognized that Maximus was right. Sorry. We're going to call you the confessor. Again, that's the way of saying, well, you suffer free faith, but we don't want that. Sorry, our bad. Next. Wow, are you kidding me? No. So he's something else. And there's some, you can find several of his writings. Now, what I want to talk about is that Maximus made a comment about the love of God and the love of neighbor. You know, in Matthew 22, this is our first taste tester. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said, he was questioned, Lord, um, you know a lot about the Bible, Jesus, you, rabbi. What's the most important commandments? What are the things that are most important to God? We'll judge whether we think they're the most important things. And Jesus said, things? Well, things aren't important to God. Relationships are. God is the God of relationship, not things. So love God, be in a relationship with God. Oh, and be in a relationship with your neighbor. So think about that. The most important laws are not things, God is a God of relationship. And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul. And then love your neighbor as yourself. We know that. But how do we do that? Let's listen to Maximus. This is the taste tester. As Maximus is talking about the love of God and love of neighbor, I like what he says. This is found often in some of his writings on the love of God. He says, love of God is always fond of flying off to hold converse with him. How do you know that you love God? When you want to go have a conversation with him. Oh, Lord, I want to tell you what happened today. I find that so beautiful. So if you think, what does it mean to love God? I can't wait to talk with God. God, thank you for the sunrise this morning. Oh, thanks for the birds chirping. Oh, thanks for the the gunfire finally going off at Oak Cliff at 12.45 last night. And I finally got a little bit of sleep from the gunfire and from the firecrackers that I couldn't tell the difference between the two, but just... Don't go outside at Oak Cliff at midnight on, in case you don't know that, on New Year's Eve. And you just say, thank you, God, that it's all stopped and that nobody got hurt. So love of God is always fond of flying off to have converse with him. What a great application of the Bible. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that absolutely beautiful? How do you know that you have, what's it mean to love God with all your heart? You can't wait to go have a conversation with him. Just tell him what's going on today. So for 2023, think about Pay attention. Like if you're grateful, oh, God, I'm grateful. I don't even know why. I just want to tell you I'm grateful. Or I'm sad right now. I don't know why I'm sad, but I want to talk to you about it. I find that so eminently beautiful and practical. Now, this is what he said about love of neighbor. Love of neighbor prepares the mind always to think well of him. How do you know that you love your neighbor? Are you thinking well of them? Or are you thinking, that dog, that dog, they never pick up after their dog. That dog likes uh, likes right in front of our door. Why don't they pick up? And he says, oh, love of neighbor is thinking well of your neighbor. And this is a guy whose tongue was cut out and arm mutilated by pastors and priests and theologians and politicians. Amazing. Amazing, isn't that something? Now, this is also what he said. He says, how do you know that you're getting better about getting rid of vainglory? And vainglory is this way of thinking, I really think I'm better than other people. We don't talk about that, but sometimes we think, I'm so glad I'm not that person, which is our way of saying, I'm a little bit better than them. And he says, how do you know you're getting rid of vainglory? This is again about love of neighbor. He said, it's no small trouble to be delivered from vainglory. That's bragging or boasting. An indication of this deliverance is to bear no more grudges against anyone who has offended us now or offended us in the past. He's the only guy I know that, that relates bragging to forgiveness. We don't think they're connected. They are. And the reason that's important to think about is we tend to think, I'm a humble person, but I just can't forgive that that person. No, that's a, that means you're boasting a little bit. That means you think you're better. Doesn't mean you trust them. Again, when you forgive someone, doesn't mean you trust them. Doesn't mean you want to be with them. You just don't hold that offense against them. And maybe with the hope one day that they'll get better and that they can earn your trust. Trust is always earned. Forgiveness is always granted. And I think this is a beautiful way of saying, what's an indication that I'm not thinking that I'm better than others? Can I forgive someone that's, hurt me in the past or now. I never put those two things together. But as I thought about it, I thought, huh, Maximus is on to something. Thank you for the gift of of giving us Maximus the ability to love my neighbor. means I can't, um, if I don't forgive, I really think I never thought of it that way. What he does is that very often we put, um, and Richard Brooks is an old Puritan, talks about this. Sometimes we put, um, we put, a, a, a pretty bow on on a an on a ugly present. And the pretty bow is, I can't forgive them, but I'm just a humble person. And Maximus says, no, you can't forgive them because you actually think you're better than them. Don't you know that God made them? Oh, you're right. Okay. And don't you know that you don't have to trust them, but you have to forgive them? I mean, that's in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Uh, this is very common to the Christian faith. And I think Maximus helps me love God by wanting to fly off and have converse with him and makes me want to love my neighbor by not holding something against them. And if I am, realizing that's more a reflection, not of, uh, of my being hurt, but a reflection of my, my thinking I'm better than them. Wow. I find that eminently practical. And it's a gift. So, that's our first taste tester. I know it's a little bit heavy, but isn't that a good gift? Thinking about what it mean to love God? Conversing with them. What does it mean to love your neighbor? Thinking well of them and working hard at forgiving and re-forgiving them. And by the way, that's, that's important because sometimes you have to re-forgive people. Like, I just forgave you yesterday, and doggone it, i got to do it again right now because right now I want to take my fingers and just kind of like do the three stooges like right in your eyes and your nose and just because you really hurt me. And then you just have to re-forgive him. And you do, you re-forgive him, re-forgive him, do it. We have to do that. Okay, that's Maximus on the love of God and neighbor. Okay, now Maximus on creation. Nike and I have been talking about um, mattering. We all want to matter. Um, We all want to know that uh, our, our being here matters. And the word matter means two things. To matter means to be important, to make a difference in the world, right? So it's, it's, it's a verb that says you're important. But the word matter also means stuff, like materiality. It depends on what it means. And I love what Maximus says about creation. He says, seek the reason why God created for this is knowledge. And then later on in his, in his letters, so why did God make stuff? And this is Maximus' riffing on Ephesians 1, that Star Wars text I just read to you, that Paul says that we're created in Christ before the foundation of the world. What is that about? Why did God do that? Why did God have us in his mind? So this is what he said. God, who was beyond fullness, did not bring creatures into being out of any need of his. Does that make sense? God didn't bring stuff to be because God was bored or lonely like I really need a friend. I'm tired of the Holy Spirit and Jesus. You guys are so boring. There's only three of us. We need more people around here and some angels and some seraphim and cherubim with flying stuff around and then like Saturn and Venus and Earth and yes, people and dogs and llamas. and He wasn't bored. He wasn't bored. He says he didn't bring creatures into being out of any need of his. But I love this. But, that he, that's God, might enjoy their proportionate participation in him. Notice that word participation. That God is thinking, I want people to be able to participate in our holy family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want people to have a little bit of what we've got. I love what we have so much. Let's share it with other people so that they can participate in him And that he might delight in his works, seeing them delighted and ever insatiably satisfied with the one who's inexhaustible. So God is basically saying, this is so good. Let's make people and share it with them. And give them access to us. And we have access to them. So... Okay, that sounds like a nerdy theologian guy. You said like, okay, Mart, he's not a pastor, a priest, or a theologian, but he sounds like all three. He sounds like a nerd pastor, nerd theologian, nerd priest. Makes no sense. Okay, this is my aha of Maximus. Okay, hopefully this makes sense. Mart's aha on Ephesians one and the words of Maximus on creation. So this is what I take what he means. All of us want to matter, don't you? I want to matter. I want to matter. I, I still, when I go to DFW and I see like there is the, um, the Blue Diamond line, if you have the Blue Diamond card and you're a triple A member of the forever super group, and then if you're just part of the peon group, I think, well, those people matter and we don't. And I look at all those people that matter, the three of them, and then the 160 of us in the other line, and I think, why? Why do they matter more than me? They don't matter more than me, because I want to matter. So. All of us want to matter. We do matter. Now, this is what Maximus basically says. Our holy God became what he loved. He became a creature. God became a human being. He loved creation and became part of it. Jesus is a real human being. Have you ever thought about that? God became what he loved. God became what he loved us. That's what Paul's getting at in Ephesians 1. Our Lord Jesus has true matter. He has stuff, bones, blood, water, brain, liver, appendix, fingers, toes. He became one of us. And like us, God cannot and will not undo that reality because the Jesus who died and rose again ascended into heaven with his body. God became what he loved, one of us. We matter to God because God has bound himself up to be one of us, and that will never be undone. We matter to God because God became matter, just like you. He's got a kidney, just like you, and that's never going to change. That means kidneys matter, bones matter, thoughts matter, people matter, babies matter, old people matter, arthritis matters, uh, diseases matter, and because all these things, were, and he wants to get rid of all that stuff, the, the bad stuff. But I thought about this. Where's our mattering? You know, you think about Instagram and social media, they'll tell you like, you wanna matter? We have the arena of what matters and what matters is how many people like you. And if you want to know if you matter, play in our arena. How many likes do you get? I find it strange that we call these people influencers. They're not influencers, they just have more likes than other people. What are they, who are they influencing? They're just beating other people. And they matter because they beat more people than other people for a little while, and then someone's going to beat them. And so mattering is a matter of getting more votes. Oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to matter like that. I don't want to commodify my, ma- I don't want to put my mattering on the marketplace. I don't want my mattering for sale or for opinion. Do you? But what if God became like you, and can never undo it. Oh, now that matters. That matters because he is a human being and he loves what he became. He created all things and he became what he loved. One of us. That's what Paul's getting at in Ephesians 1. As he's opening his letter, what can I tell these Christians why they matter? God became what he loved, one of you. Ain't going to go back on that. You can't go back and reverse what we just sang about this morning, about the incarnation of Jesus. I think that is so beautiful. So that's the other taste test for this morning. Why do you matter? Because God became matter, and that ain't going to change. He sits at the right hand of God the Father right now with true human bone and true human body because People matter, period. And it's not up for sale. You all matter. It is objective, real. In the heart of God, you matter because God became matter. That's according to Maximus, and that's according to Paul. I think he's onto something here. He's kind of demystifying Paul's great words of Ephesians 1. And this is my last thing. This is where I think Maximus is beautiful. Now, you may sound this is weird, but this is one of his sentences. God has participated only. Okay, what does that mean? Oh, that's a Martism. That's a weird, like you, Mart. Yeah, it is. But this is what he's saying. Do you ever feel far from God? He says, well, this is probably why. Because you're probably asking a question. You're probably complaining or praying, but you don't want to participate with God. The only way you can have God in your life is through participation, not through inquiry. Participation. God has participated only. I think he's right. So if you ever feel, Lord, you're realizing, oh, you want an answer about God before you'll participate with him. That's not the way God works. Think about about the prodigal son. The prodigal son left, wanted nothing to do with his father. And when he finally came to his senses, where he missed his dad, who always loved him, he went home because he wanted to participate with his dad. And even before he got halfway home, what happened? When his dad saw him, he ran out and met him and said, Oh, honey, your heart's right. You want to participate with me. But then the older brother was home. And the older brother, the older brother, um, thought, We're throwing a party for that loser little brother? All these years I've been with you. I've been with you. I, I'm not going to go to this party. And then the father goes outside and reminds me of that great TikTok where that little kid um, is talking to his dad. And he's, he's doing what his dad does to his wife. Like, hey, Linda, 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 reason, reason with me. You ever seen that one? Like a little four-year-old kid. And his dad says, honey, you got to clean your room. And he goes, oh, his mom says, honey, you got to clean your room. And the kid goes, hey, Linda, 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 reason with me. And I thought, whoa. So this is like God the Father going to this older son. Hey, Linda, Linda, reason with me. Linda, outside, the older son, he didn't want to participate with the father. I need to have the answers. Why? No, 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 no participation. Why does he get it? I've been here. He's not. I need answers. And God's going, honey, honey, no, 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 come in. Participate. I want nothing with participation. I want nothing. And so think about that. Why didn't he have a relationship with God, this kid who's been religious in the church his whole life? Because he refused to participate until his, answers were, were, his questions were answered. Oh, we do the same thing. So that's what Maximus means in four words. God has participated only. Isn't that beautiful? So if you're feeling far away from God, God's not going anywhere. You, you and I are being the older brother. We're like, hey, hey, hey God, uh, well, I'm not going to talk to you. Talk to the hand until you tell me why you've done this. And God saying, oh, no, no, honey, let's participate. Let's, let's be in the same room together. I think he's on to something very holy, very deep, very, very Christian. Okay, just three things. Love of God, love of neighbor, love of God, flying off to talk to God, love of neighbor, forgiving them. Why did God make stuff? God became what he loved, one of us. You matter because God became real matter, and that ain't going to go away. And when we feel far away from God, it's because we're probably not wanting to participate. And God is a very patient Papa saying, I'll wait for you. Give me your question, but we have to be in the same room at the same time. Don't push me away. God has participated only. Okay, three taste testers for the New Year's. Whatever one tastes good, just nibble on that. And and God give you grace as you follow Jesus in 2023. Um, Let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, these words of St. Paul and of Jesus. And thank you for Maximus and his reflection on the Holy Scripture. Whatever, Lord, is most nourishing to us, help us remember these things today. What is less nourishing, take it away so that it doesn't distract us from the good stuff, which is having a relationship with you through your son, Jesus, and by the power of your spirit, in whose name we pray, amen.